Welcome to Sunday Morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and it is hot in the summertime in Columbus, Georgia. Don't have to tell you that. I know y'all are out traveling, but no matter who you are, where you are, what you've done, whatever you have going on, God is welcoming you home. So we invite you to come and join us as we celebrate our awesome God of love and of grace and joy. Come on in. The first lesson is from Jeremiah 23, 23 through 29. Am I a God nearby, says the Lord, and not a God far off? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long will the hearts of the prophets ever turn back? Those who prophesy lies and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart. They plan to make my people forget my name by their dreams that they tell one another, just as their ancestors forgot my name for Baal. Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let the one who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from the letter to the Hebrews. Um, We are reading Hebrews 11:29 through 12:2 that is 11:29 through 12:2 listen for the word of the lord <clears throat> see if you can hear any themes that are developing through here by faith the people passed through the red sea as if it were dry land but when the egyptians attempted to do so they were drowned by faith The walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had received the spies in peace. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in the deserts and mountains, in caves and holes in the ground. Yet 
All these, though they were commanded for, commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better so that they would not apart from us be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So somewhere I was reading about African impalas. Anybody? Reading African impalas. They are amazing in their physical ability to jump and leap. They can jump 10 feet high, and I figured 10 feet high is about four feet to where my feet are on the chancel, and I'm six feet, so it's about 10 feet about here. They can jump this high. They can jump 30 feet long, and I roughly measured the beginning of the carpet or the aisle all the way back, that's roughly 30 feet. Can you imagine jumping that length? So how in zoos, when they have impala there, how do they keep them caged so they don't escape? They can jump so high and so far. Do they have these huge walls? Three feet high. Three feet high enclosures why? What sense does that make? Impala will not jump where they cannot see where their feet will land. They will not jump if they can't see over that three-foot enclosure to the ground on the other side. So all the zoos have to do is make an enclosure where they can't see what's on the other side, and that keeps them content. They do not jump. Today, we are talking about faith. A lot of what we do in faith is to jump also, not knowing where God will have our feet land. So let's take a look at Hebrews. This is one of the books in, uh, one of the epistles, the letters. Some think Paul wrote it, but a lot of disagreement about that. It is a beautiful book. It contains so much wonderful theology and practice both a huge sermon at the same time uh, as it is instructed and as constructed and as a letter. Who were the Hebrews? Well, we believe this was a Christian audience, that the Hebrews were Jews that had been converted in early Christianity, and they were starting to have issues and so the writer, the author of Hebrews was writing specifically to these young Christians, again, who used to be Jews, to tell them to hang in there even as things are getting difficult. Well, what was going on with them that would cause them to start to slide from their faith? Well, th these are second generation Christians. None of these Hebrews knew, saw, or walked with Christ. Not too far after, but they didn't see or follow him directly. They were waiting for Christ to come and starting to question. The early Christians thought Christ was coming back 
any second momentarily. And we've already been several decades since Christ, and where is Christ? Maybe all of this isn't true. They are starting to be persecuted by the same Roman authorities and the same Jewish temple structure that were threatened by the existence of Jesus. So they were imprisoned, they were tortured, their lands were seized. And so very naturally, they might say, I, I don't need all this, I was, I was happy before. I'm just, I'm going home, I'm going back to the temple. Which of us, if authorities threatened our coming to church on Sunday with imprisonment, seizure of our property, possible beatings or torture, how many of us would come to worship on a Sunday? You raise your hands, all you faithful people that were doing stuff for Jesus. Uh huh. I don't see anybody anymore. <laughs> right. It would be very difficult. That's the conundrum that they're in. And that's what the writer of Hebrews sees and wants to remind them that they need to stay faithful, even in the midst of the culture that is working against their Christian belief. So let's take a look at this passage. Um, Vicki mentioned it before, all of chapter 11 really is about faith. They start with Abraham and Sarah. They talk about Abel of Cain and Abel. They talk about Moses. And so much of our Judeo-Christian Old Testament or Hebrew Bible experience pivots on the Exodus event. And that's where our passage picks it up in 29. But one verse, this is kind of a quick highlight of some of the things that happened in the life of the, the Jewish people. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land, but when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. Boom, that's it. Just want to remind you. Two, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they being encircled seven times. Remember all that? And the walls came tumbling down. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she received the spies. And then we get a list of people. What should I say? For time would fail me to tell of. So apparently, maybe he's preaching to folks and they're trying to get to lunch and they don't want him going on forever about all these biblical characters. He says, time would fail me to tell you of Gideon. He was in Judges. Remember the golden the fleece and... Uh, God reducing, he was a, a leader, a, a judge, but also a military leader, reduced his force to 300 so that there was no doubt when he went to battle that it was God that allowed them to win. Barak, also military leader at the time of Deborah, who was his commander. He wouldn't even go to war without Deborah with them. Samson, Delilah, Jephthah, Jephthah. He too was a judge in Judges, and his mother was a prostitute. He was kicked out of Israel because he was illegitimate, even though he was this strong military leader, until Israel was threatened, and they said, oh, maybe we acted hastily. Why don't you come back? We could use your gifts and skills. And Jephthah made the horrible, terrible, tragic 
deal with God for some reason and said, if you deliver them into the Ammonites, into my hands, Lord, when I go home, the first person to come out or first thing to come out of my house, I will make an offering and sacrifice. I assume he was assuming an animal or someone he didn't like in his family. I, I don't know. But God delivered them into his hands and he went home and his only sweet, young, happy daughter, innocent, that comes out to greet him. He fell to his knees. No, no, not her. And yes, it was her. That's Jephthah. David, Samuel, prophets. So that's a pretty big list of names. And again, we add on Abraham and Sarah and all those that the author of Hebrews has lifted up before us. And what did they do? They list nine things that they did as followers of God. They conquered kingdoms. They administered justice. They obtained promises. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched unquenchable fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. They drew strength out of weakness. They became strong in battle. And they put foreign armies to flight. Nine things collectively that all these names, all these people that are being lifted up did together. Those are some pretty powerful and amazing things. And a lot of what we read today started with what? By faith, these things happened. By faith, this person did that. By faith, this person did this thing. Meaning, did they do it on their own? Were they that faithful enough that God chose them to go do miraculous things? No, they were human beings. No different than you and me. God empowered them. And what did most of them say when God came to them? No, don't call me. I'm just, just a guy. I don't, don't have these big lofty gifts or skills. I don't have the faith necessary. I'm afraid. I don't want to go. I don't have the gifts. Anybody ever think that about the person next to you? Ha <laughs> ha. No. Yes, we have low self-esteem when it comes to faith often. We know we have faith. And we are people of faith, but when it comes to claiming that faith and living that faith, it's harder because other people will see us and other people will judge us. Well, welcome to the world. From elementary school to middle school to high school and beyond, you are judged when you enter a room. When you came to your first day at work, you were judged in that space. When you are in a hospital visiting, people are judging you. When you go and meet with groups of people, whenever you volunteer, whenever you do anything with families and friends, you are judged, but you still go to those events. Why do we let this Christian peace be shut down by our inability to feel like we are whatever enough? And the writers are telling us, look, at these miraculous things that happened when these people accepted God's invitation to come, God's call to them, and claimed the faith that they were given. Miraculous things happened. 
Well, preacher, those, that was just one time people wrote down what happened so that we would have that because God doesn't do that anymore and we're not supposed to be just like they did. Wrong. We are just like those people in the Bible. Unworthy, broken, scared, feelings of inadequacy, especially when it comes to our faith and fear of what God is calling us to do. I got enough stuff to do without God sending me out defeating armies, pastor. And so we relegate ourselves to being thinking Christians, not living and acting Christians. Because when we act, others are going to look at us and others are going to judge. We have to get used to that and we have to become comfortable with that. Now, having said that, we don't go out and beat others with our faith. That is destructive and does not create Christians, I am convinced. But what does? You sharing your faith in a way that uplifts people. Sharing by acting so others can see, why, why are you helping that person? Well, I'm a Christian. This is what I believe Christ is calling us to do. Why are you sacrificing time and money and other things that are so valuable? Well, since you asked, I'm, you know, I follow Christ, and that was one of his biggies. We're supposed to take care of others, and we're supposed to donate and give both for the mission and ministry of Christ, but so that money doesn't take us over. But we do get afraid, don't we? And it is hard because the world has become a difficult place to share anything of vulnerability. We become so polarized in so many ways, left, center, right, that party, that party, which side of the aisle are you on? What branch of the Christian faith are you on, if at all? You on my side or you on somebody else's side? So we're living the old adage, what do you not talk about in public? Politics and religion. And that is a crime and a tragic waste and loss. Now, we should be able to do it in a way that we don't demonize people who disagree with us, and they the same with us. But we know it's not always like that. We won't always be received when you share your faith and you live as a person of faith, is everything hunky-dory? You're going to get the car you want? you going to get that swimming pool in the backyard? going to get that lake house, mountain house, beach house? going to get that new job? going to get that raise because you follow Christ? No, it's ridiculous. That's the prosperity gospel. It is destructive. Do not believe it. Does that mean that if God loves you, God gives you stuff and status and that bad things won't ever happen. How many people have experienced that? Well, nobody, because it doesn't happen. This passage talks about the ways that these biblical heroes, not your Marvel cape indestructible set, but those who follow their faith that God has given them, that's what constitutes them as heroes, they lived their faith and both amazing things happened as we read those nine things and more. And then we go into this list of terrible things that happened to them. 
They were sawn in two. Sawn. How many times do you use the past tense of saw? Sawn. We, we think Isaiah endured that. So the author of Hebrews is saying, you follow in faith, but you realize too that things are going to go bad and wrong and be difficult. But part of the joy of our faith is that it reminds us that God is with us. Youth, youth, I'm looking at you. How many people have 100% awesome, fantastic teachers, the best ever this semester? 100%. None. You got one or two of those teachers that you're not sure what's going to happen or you already sense that things are going to be rough. Yeah, that's hard. I know it. Teachers, how many of y'all have some of those students that you're thinking, oh, what's going to happen this year? I don't know. Yeah. And then the spectrum continues into tragedy and difficulty. Part of the reason we celebrate faith is because we know we're not alone. We know that God is with us, that faith is a gift through the risen Christ. And it's a gift meant to be shared. You remember manna when they were given manna in the wilderness? Because they were complaining they didn't have food. And God said, okay, every morning I'll put cornflakes on the ground. It'll be sanitary. It'll be delicious. You just break those crackers off and you eat that. That'll be fine. But don't store it. If you try to store it, it will rot. And what's the first thing they do? They try to store it and accumulate it and hoard it up. All went rotten, worms. God provided every day for them. And they trusted God. When we hoard our faith, it is just like that manna. It rots unless we share it. It doesn't grow unless we share it. And the gift to us is immeasurable when we do share it. Yes, we are sharing our faith with others, but it transforms who we are. Hebrews is reminding us of that. And yes, faith is about believing what you cannot see, jumping like the Impala's not exactly sure where God is going to cause our feet to land. But in this Hebrews passage, faith is also perseverance. It is perseverance. So much of our culture does not want anything to do with lengthy anything. Give it to me now. It is mine. This culture owes me whatever I want in a timely fashion and quickly. Faith says... There's a larger story. There's a larger journey. And whatever reality we're dealing with now, whether we are in a great place right now, we are kind of somewhere in the middle, or we are in a bad place right now, we can see past that to know that there's a bigger picture. And that bigger picture is faith in Christ and that this is still God's world. God loves us and walks with us. And then finally, the passage ends with the familiar words, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. We're all running. We know that. This journey, from day one of birth, we run. And this life is a journey until we are brought home to our next after, to our next life after this one. One of the commentators talked about this in terms of a stadium 
with you as a running athlete. And you're in the stadium, and who is in the stands cheering for you? It would certainly be all of the names here, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, David, all of those people, Gideon, Jephthah, all those that we named are all there cheering for you. But who else? Who was it, this cloud of witnesses, this path the saints have trod that we are following, who are the saints that led you to this point in your faith journey today? Vicki mentioned some of that. Was it a Sunday school teacher or a pastor or a youth director or somebody in your family that maybe didn't give you a choice early on? Or now, maybe you married someone like that. Maybe it was someone who invited you to church. Maybe it was someone who was in a Bible study with you who changed the way you thought about something that really helped you to grow closer to Christ in that understanding. Maybe it was someone that you went with when serving other people, or maybe somebody you met while at a food line or helping in a homeless ministry. Maybe it was words in worship or music in worship or being together as a family. The only thing I don't like about that running the race and the stadium imagery is that it, look, you think you're alone and you're not. We're all running this together. We're all in the same stadium. But who's in the bleachers shouting for you? It is all of God's people. It is all of your people who helped you to come here. And what is Christ's role in this as pioneer and perfecter of the faith? He's running with us. Running on ahead to blaze the trail. Each of you are blazing a trail of faith while we are walking together on this journey. So we both thank our ancestors, those who came before us in faith, as we are walking in their footsteps. And at the same time, we are blazing a new trail for those who will come after us. We will be the saints that are cheering for those who come after us. And the world needs to see us sharing our faith. The world needs to know what God's love and resurrection, glory and power are like. And you, just like these biblical characters, have been empowered. Nelson Mandela, if you remember, fought long against apartheid in South Africa, imprisoned for some 27 years, finally released, and helped to end apartheid. And he said, and I quote, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate, our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Wow. Our deepest fear isn't all those inadequacies that we spoke about earlier. Our deepest fear is that we will have power beyond measure to go into the world, to be disciples of Christ, and to change it to reflect what we believe Christ calling us to do. Preacher, I got enough in my day. I don't think just me, little old me. Well, you don't have to do it on your own. We're a church family. We're connected to the body of Christ. 
But you start to think, what if that were true? What if the faith God gave me is powerful enough to go into the world to change the lives of those that God puts in my path? That is miraculous. That makes us biblical heroes, not in the sense of comic books, but in the sense of being persistent in our faith and living our lives as Christians. So today, as we start this new chapter, our students and teachers are back in. We too kind of look at this as the new program year, as it were, starting things back again at church. Let us recommit ourselves to be people of faith, faith that has been given a gift and not just keep it in our minds, but to live it and be persistent. See the bigger picture of God's glory for this earth. And each of you has power beyond measure. So let us go and share that with the world. Hallelujah. Amen.